A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. We've really put the customer at the heart of what we're creating. And that means that we want to strengthen the relationship with our customer by creating the, the magic that comes alive in, in the physical store. We've got a fairly unique approach to our digital platform in that we have a singular buying team who buy and curate for the physical stores and for online. And that's really important for us because we want to make sure that that Selfridges experience is consistent across whatever channel um, our customers are shopping. As you look to the next five years, where are you planning to invest now? We're going to really look at investing more into how we can continue to change the way that people shop. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF Podcast. It's Friday, July 9th. The purpose of the store has shifted dramatically in the past few years, and this was only accelerated by the coronavirus pandemic. While other department stores have struggled to keep up with all of the change, Selfridges in the UK has established itself as an outlier by doubling down on its physical retail strategy. The British chain has transformed its storefronts into experiential hubs, created pop-ups, restaurants, art installations, and even a skateboarding bowl to try to get as many customers as possible to spend time within its four walls. 
This week on the BOF podcast, we hear from Andrew Keith, Managing Director of Selfridges, who spoke to me about his plans for Selfridges in the post-pandemic era at the BOF Professional Summit, What's a Store For? I am now joined here in the Selfridges window by Andrew Keith, Managing Director of Selfridges. Andrew, thank you for having us here in the Oxford Street flagship, right in the window. It's kind of a dream for me to be here. It's an absolute pleasure to host you here, Imran, and very big welcome to Selfridges. And I think this speaks to the fact that, you know, we're using stores in so many innovative and new creative ways because they really are about the hub of the community. And so I think that today just showcases the fact that stores are evolving very rapidly and that we're really thinking about creative ways to use space. So uh, it's great to have you here. Well, we're delighted. And so, you know, as we think about, you know, the department store landscape where, you know, department stores are losing out to e-commerce, I really want to talk to you about how you and your team here at Selfridges are navigating this really unusual situation. I mean, Selfridges has always been a retailer that stands for something more than just transactions. But I wanted to start with what brought you here in the first place. You're new in this role. You're originally from here in the UK. Talk to us about what brought you back to the UK. Did it have anything to do with the pandemic? And why Selfridges? Well, first of all, I moved back in the midst of a pandemic. And so joining a business when everyone was working remotely, when the stores physically weren't open, was a really interesting time because, as you said, you know, I've, I've lived outside of UK now for 25 years. So in many ways, it is coming home, but it's not because I was coming back to a very different place that, uh, that I knew previously. But what I found at Selfridges is just this incredible creativity an incredible passion and pride for working for the business. And and this openness to, to new ways of looking at, at retail. And so despite the fact that the physical stores weren't open, um, we'd stayed connected to our customers digitally. And we'd been very innovative through that whole process of being able to, uh, to create Selfridges magic. And it's been incredibly energizing, I have to say, being in the business and to be, to be welcomed so openly. And I think like many people, um, I spent part of the lockdown experiencing, just thinking more deeply about what did I want to do? What were, how were my values sort of being manifested? And one of the things about Selfridges is that at a time when a lot of retailers were sort of shutting shop and being concerned about imaging and, and messaging, Selfridges went out with a very bold statement about Project Earth and about reinventing retail through the lens of sustainability. And that spoke to me on a really personal level. And so uh, that was, you know, part of, I guess, the lockdown effect is that it gave me an opportunity to reevaluate the kind of impact that I wanted to make. And as a business, this is a business which is very much about reinventing retail for the future. You used the word magic just now. And I think that's actually very appropriate word because retail isn't just like a scientific thing. You know, like if you walk through Selfridges or indeed Lane Crawford, one of my other favorite department stores, you know, there's something about the energy you can create in, in a retail space, you know, and I, I was mentioning the case study that Kathleen wrote earlier, you know, talking about the store as a service hub, the store as immersive entertainment, the store as a brand billboard, all of these elements that are part of the magic of stores in this era where, you know, everyone can shop online. And we've had this like massive 
e-commerce acceleration during the pandemic. How do you see what Selfridges does around that framework of, you know, immersive hub, customer service, all of that stuff? And how is it different from what one might find in other department stores? Well, I think at Selfridges it's different in that it starts with the customer. We've really put the customer at the heart of what we're creating. And that means that we want to strengthen the relationship with our customer by creating the, the magic that comes alive in, in the physical stores. And, and that's almost alchemy, right? It's the combination of amazing curated product, fantastic experiences, being able to, to, to spend a day discovering in a, in a serendipitous way almost products and creating new memories and new stories. And we do that because... At the heart of all of it is this connection that we want to make with the customer. And so the service piece, whether it be through our VIPs, clienteling services, whether it be through our concierge and the experiences that we're creating, whether it be through the restaurants and the partners that we're working with, like SoulCycle and the cinemas, all of those touch points are fundamental to being able to create that emotional connection and to encourage our customers to discover in new ways. And that, I think, wraps experience, service, and retail together in a way that's unique to Selfridges because we curate the space. It's not just about curating the product. And being able to do that, I think, brings a different dimension alive and one that possibly in a digital world doesn't manifest itself quite so so immersively. But I would say that all of the work that we're doing is making sure that those experiences do come to life in a digital way as well. And so, you know, our, our concierge services and our VIP clienteling services, they're all happening across multiple channels. And indeed, a lot of our product curation is also happening in social too. So it's the, the fusion, I think, of, of physical, experiential, digital, curated and service together, which is where that magic comes alive. One of the things I learned from the case study that Robert wrote, which was released this morning, was around Galen Weston's decision not to open a whole spate of stores, like as you've seen some other department stores here in the UK and the United States do. But it also underscored to me the importance of location. I mean, this location here on Oxford Street in London is, you know, right in the heart of where everything is happening. Of course, for many months, it was very quiet. But, you know, we can see, we can feel around us, you know, things are coming back to life. How are you thinking about the next 18 months? You know, we have a lot of uncertainty around tourists coming back, traffic coming back. You know, if you walk up and down the street, there's tons of empty storefronts. So, you know, while you have these like pockets of energy, like Selfridges, you also have other pockets where it's quiet and there's like these hoardings and, and, you know, empty windows. What does that do to the environment of Oxford Street? What is happening here? What can you tell us about what's being planned to kind of accelerate, if you will, the return of shoppers in a very, you know, people are still a bit afraid of being out in crowds and in the public. Yeah, I think that, you know, what we're creating within the Selfridges stores in all in all the locations we're in, in all, four, all four locations, is a destination. And so it's about being able to create 
you know, a space where people want to go for the day. You know, you can go, you can have a dinner, you can be on a soul cycle, you can have a full head-to-toe facial treatments. And the fact that there is nowhere else that brings that together with the spirit of community and being able to talk to the local community through these hubs is something that's unique to us. You know? So in each of these stores, each of these destinations, we're working with local creatives, we're working with the local charities around the charities that support our vision around mental health and homelessness and sustainability. And we're able to bring that together so that people can really feel a level of connection that is unique to those stores. And so the experience that you get within Selfridges and Oxford Street is then curated differently to reflect the experience in Manchester and Exchange Square and likewise in Birmingham. Because each of these communities has its own diversity, it has its own you know, entrepreneurial kind of, uh, of environment around it. And it's important for us to be able to reflect that. So what we're seeing is that footfall in all of the locations is improving. We're deepening the relationship with the customers, particularly with the domestic customers in these cities. We're really building market share throughout the UK with that domestic customer. And that combined with a really compelling digital offer means that you've got the synergy between the two, which really is working for us. But when when will Oxford Street and how will Oxford Street get back to its former glory? Because although it's busy here it still doesn't compare to what it was like pre-pandemic. And like I said, there's all of these gaps. So like when you don't have a kind of consolidated group of retailers, like creating like a experience across the whole street, you also miss out on some of that energy. You know, Selfridges is only one, one very big block um, on this street. Like what are you hearing about plans to kind of revitalize Oxford Street, you know, now that things are beginning to open up? Well, we think of Selfridges very much in Oxford Street, particularly as creating a neighbourhood around it. And so we're working with both Westminster Council and with the rest of the residents and a lot of the other tenants and landlords around here to be able to create more energy around Oxford Street particularly. And you may have noticed, and I don't know if you came past Marble Arch, but we're in the process of this massive mound that's being created so that people can have a viewing platform that go and, you know, there's an opportunity here to really sort of re-energise this part of, of Oxford Street. But I think if we start with what Selfridges can do, Selfridges can continue to to really drive great pop-ups, great experiences. I mean, the idea of being able to come to Selfridges and get married and, you know, the destination that this store is, you know, we're continuing to look at how we can really creatively use the store to deepen that destinational experience. So it's, I would say it's happening on a number of different levels. There's what's happening from an from a Oxford Street neighbourhood perspective, what's happening from a community perspective, and then what we're doing to be able to really uh, excite customers to, to come into the stores. And as I said, you know, we're seeing significant growth week on week as people are starting to come back. I think there's also a conversation, particularly in UK, about how do we encourage more people to travel to London as we realise that, you know, thankfully, you know, some locations are now opening up and we're starting to be able to go to some foreign destinations or travel, travel abroad. But there is still a massive population that, that wants to be able to have a holiday in, in UK. And so London as a destination in itself offers great opportunities around the cultural diversity, the theatres, the, the restaurant scene. And we're playing a, a part in terms of being able to to really connect with customers from from a London as a destination perspective. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts. Specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Yeah. You mentioned the people coming to the UK from other places, and I think that's really important to touch on that because in 2019, according to our case study, 40.9 million tourists arrived in the UK. That has fallen precipitously. And so much of Selfridge's traffic, footfall, came from some of these tourists who were, you know, want to go to dest- retail destinations like Selfridges and your competitors down the road at Harrods. What are you doing now, one, to engage local customers? Because I think one of the things that's happened is, I was just telling you earlier, I haven't left the UK since the start of the pandemic. So I'm kind of being a tourist in my own city. You know, how do you build 
the relationships with local customers. You, you mentioned earlier you're taking market share. How do you know that? You know, what, are you, what are the strategies to get there and how do you know you're starting to get more market share? We know that because we're actually seeing the, the increase in terms of new customers coming in to Selfridges, both the physical stores and online. And so a lot of the growth that's happening is happening from new domestic customers, which we're really excited about because it gives us the opportunity to really focus on, as I said, you know, creating a real point of difference for the local regional stores, making sure that we're curating according to what those communities are, are looking for, making sure that our product assortments are right, making sure that the experiences are right. And so we're continuing to really build on the relational element of those customers, making sure they want to come back and making sure that we're establishing strong ties with them. And so that is our focus in the short term. It doesn't mean that we don't have international customers too. And I think it's difficult as well to talk about international and domestic, you know. Who, we both live lives which are, have been historically, you know, very much about borderless, right? Yeah. So how do you determine who's local and who's international? And I think, you know, what we see in, in the physical stores here is that we do have an international profiled customer who's happening to live in London or in Manchester, and we're staying very connected with them. But also digitally, our international customers are being serviced through our personal shopping suites, through live chat, through virtual trunk shows, um, and all of the digital tools that enable us to stay connected with them are really helping us. So what we're experiencing is that the international customer is actually spending more now than they were previously. And when those tourists come back, there's nothing to suspect that they won't come back. You know, it's just a question of when's travel going to open up. When do you think that, you know, if we had 40.9 million tourists in the, in the UK in 2019, when, did we get back? when do you think we're back to 2019 levels? I, it's, it's difficult, right? I mean, there's no crystal balls here, but I, I think we'll be, we're looking at about 12, between 12 to 18 months in terms of seeing that travel coming back, bearing in mind the insights that we're getting from, from the airports and from the travel authorities. But it's all dependent, isn't it? And we don't know. I mean, we're fortunate enough in UK that we have significant vaccine rates and that's helping a lot in terms of the attractiveness of the UK as a, as a safe destination, but it's still quite restricted in terms of how international travel is going to open up. I've been reading 2023, 2024. You know, the travel industry has been decimated. But I think from our perspective, it's, it's really about focusing on, you know, we have a significant, significant customer base here in the UK. You know, over 70% of our customers are domestic UK. And so how do we continue to build those relationships, build the frequency, and really deliver something that's compelling and unique for them? Let's talk about digital. It's not an area that Selfridges was particularly known for prior to the pandemic. And like many companies, a crisis situation can force or accelerate innovation. I think about Selfridges as a global retail brand. I think people all over the world know Selfridges. And so in my head, I think, you know, why shouldn't the Selfridges e-commerce business be competing with Net-A-Porter and Farfetch and, and Matches Fashion, these kind of generally pure play digital retailers. Mm. What have you been doing to accelerate your digital business and what expectations do you have around growth and how, how important this will be to the kind of trajectories we saw in the case study? Well, we've been investing significantly into digital over the past few years and clearly a lot of the growth that we've seen over the past 18 months has really given us an indication that as a channel, it's going to continue to grow. And so a lot of our future growth is going to come from, from digital. 
We've got a fairly unique approach to our digital platform in that we have a singular buying team who buy and curate for the physical stores and for online. And that's really important for us because we want to make sure that that Selfridges experience is consistent across whatever channel um, our customers are shopping. And you're absolutely right, we are a global brand. You know, we're, sh- we're currently shipping to 130 different countries all around the world. And so- Were you always able to do that? No, that's, that's come off, you know, significant investment over the years. Um, and that's also been supported by infrastructure investment and enhances in CX and in UX and a lot of the, the sort of digital sort of journey for our customers. And we're continuing to invest into digital. You know, we're excited about the growth opportunities. You know, we've seen 55% growth year on year. We're in digital. In digital. We're going to continue to see growth in the digital platform. And so, you know, I think it's, it's an exciting chance for us to, to really bring Selfridges to life all around the world for our customers. But I think it's also about being able to, to be mindful of the fact that the curational element and the experience element of what we do also needs to manifest itself in digital. And I would say that, you know, some of the pure play retailers don't have the same sort of richness possibly that we can create with, uh, with the fusion of digital and physical together. Um, and that, I think, is where the magic for the future is going to happen as we build that as part of our ongoing strategy. So there's been a 300 million pound investment, some of which is in, in digital and e-commerce, some of which has been focused on kind of restructuring, reimagining the spaces here in Selfridges, giving brands like Chanel and Vuitton and Tiffany like really prime place, you know, using the corner shop, all of that stuff. As you look to the next five years, where are you planning to invest now? We're going to really look at investing more into how we can continue to change the way that people shop. You know, I think that being at the forefront of, of imagining the future of retail is going to be about how do we curate more of our product through the lens of sustainability? How do we look at more sustainable resourcing? How do we look at ensuring that our material impact is reduced and look at how we can invest into innovation around materials tracking? How are we looking at really evolving the model that we've got? So looking at circularity, um, the success that we've had from, uh, from Reselfridge in terms of rental models, recycling models, repair, um, all of that element of looking at product lifecycle um, and the innovation that's coming through from tech in those areas is really exciting. Plus the fact that we want to invest and continue to use this incredible platform as a way to continue to challenge perceptions around what the future is going to be and, and being able to increase thought leadership and discussion and podcasts and a lot of the, the content that needs to come from you know, evolving people's thinking around what retail can be for the future. So continued investment, I would say, into, into driving our vision for, for reinventing what we're doing. Let's talk about resale and rental. Those are really hot topics in the industry right now. Everyone's either thinking about getting into it, experimenting with it. You know, some brands are going into it full hog. What have you learned so far in terms of who is engaging with these models? What are they looking for? How does it work from a business standpoint for Selfridges? I mean, it's great to say reselfridges, but like where does the business metrics in terms of revenue and profit 
Well, I think that's a really key point, which is, you know, we're not only changing the way that people shop, we're also changing how we approach business. And so that means looking at business through completely different sets of metrics, you know. The metrics need to be probably more in sort of sustainable metrics, looking at the longevity of customer and the customer lifecycle, looking at how we're doing acquisition in slightly different ways, looking at how you blend, you know, concession, consignment, partnered models into, into the concept so that we can look at how we can balance margin opportunities. But I think without doing it, we wouldn't be able to have a sustainable business. And so it requires a bit of bravery. It requires a bit of creative thinking. It requires being able to get the organization to think in different ways, to challenge itself in many respects in terms of taking risk. From what we're seeing from rental and the response to the Selfridges program, it's incredible. You know, 58% of our customers now are much more involved and much more willing to engage in what recycling and what sustainability means. And so we're getting real impact that we're listening to what the customers are saying, and this is what they're saying they're excited about for the future. You know, they want solutions and they want to engage with fashion in different ways, and particularly with the younger generation. They don't necessarily want to have to go and buy something. Why buy it when you can, you know, go and rent for your first revenge dinner, right? It doesn't have to be. Yeah, we called it in a, in a report that we did recently, we called it the end of ownership. Yeah. You know, this idea that you don't, you know, you don't need to own things. We are running short on time and I wanted to make sure to get to some of our questions that are coming through from all over the world. There's a question from Venice, Italy, and it's from Scott Newton. He says, what does uh, Mr. Keith see as Selfridge's competitive advantage? Why do consumers choose Selfridge's over all the myriad of other options they have available to them? It's a great question. They choose Selfridges because they trust the fact that we have done the work in terms of curating the best product from around the world, being able to work with great collaborations, great creativity, and being able to create an environment which is unique. So that combination of of curation, of experience, of service is something that's unique to us. Okay. In Amsterdam, Netherlands, we have Tassos. And he's asking about, given all of the kind of growth and digital penetration, does actually mono-brand retailers pre- present a greater sense of competition to Selfridges than maybe your multi-brand counterparts? We know a lot of the big brands are taking their wholesale businesses in-house. I know you have a whole strategy here about concessions, which enables you to keep those brands in the mix, even though they're running those operations themselves. Who do you see as your most formidable competitors? Well, specifically on the mono brand, we don't see that as a competition. In fact, many of our, of our brand partners are looking to us to do creative partnerships. They can see that what we're creating is something that's unique. They can showcase their brands in new ways. I mean, the, the Dior... Uh, restaurant on the roof at the moment and the pop-up evidences that you know it's the fact that brands see Selfridges as a way to connect to customers in a way that they can't necessarily do through the mono brands and it gives them a much wider scope to be able to be creative about realizing their brand propositions so um, I wouldn't say that uh, that mono brands are a threat in that respect I think it's a synergistic partnership of being able to create something unique in St. Petersburg, Florida, Tommy Sullivan is asking, Bloomingdale's used to do foreign country promotions yearly. Their Indian, Irish, Thai, and Indonesian promotions come to mind. 
Yeah. How do you think about engaging with specific cultural groups from different parts of the world? Well, it's a great question. And it's an area that we're continuing to look into is how do you take hyper-localization, which is what we're doing and curating the stores specifically for the communities that we're servicing at the moment, and how does that manifest itself in different regions? And to be honest, we're starting on that journey and we're really excited about what that can be, but we're really just at the start of that process. We have time for one more question from India. This is Sanjana. She asks, could you please elaborate on the way Selfridges has created spaces for customers? You mentioned the Dior Riviera space. Like, Talk about what you're doing and how do you think that's different from what Selfridges did before the pandemic? I think that it is a commitment to, to how we use our spaces as immersive spaces. It's not different. It's about the realization that we're giving out more space to being able to bring these experiences to life in new ways. So currently, you know, we have over 10% of us were fit in this in this store, which is, you know, given out to, to unique experiences. And so whether it be, you know, cinemas or soul cycles or restaurant pop-ups or book clubs or uh, you know, weddings, it's uh, it's really about the the continued commitment to making sure that our brand comes to life in that really immersive way. Andrew, we've run out of time. Thank you for our chat. Congratulations on your new role. Thank you very much. Thank you for hosting us here to be in your window. I'm never going to forget this moment. And, you know, thank you for sharing all of your insights. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the BOF podcast for our look inside fashion and how it connects to currents in the wider world. If you're not yet a BOF professional member, join today with our 30-day risk-free trial and benefit from exclusive access to agenda-setting analysis you won't find anywhere else. The BOF podcast is edited and produced by Emma Clark, Kate Vartan, and Eric Bria in the BOF studio team. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.